Hey, this is Todd and Julie Mullen, senior pastors here at Christ Fellowship Church in South Florida. Whether you're across the street or across the world, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy week to join for this message. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you to get more out of life. Well, hey, Christ Fellowship family. My name is Ryan, and I want to welcome you to week two of our Mind Game series. So excited to be together in church today. Over these couple of weeks, we're talking about the power of your thoughts. We're talking about the importance of mental health, and we're talking about how to win the war in your mind. In December of 1944, there was a 21-year-old Japanese soldier named Hiro Onoda who was stationed on a small island off the coast of the Philippines. And he and the men that he was left there with, they were told it might take three years, it might take five years, but whatever happens, we'll come back for you. Well, less than one year later, World War II actually ended. On August 15th, 1945, when the Japanese signed a ceasefire agreement with the Allied forces. And in October of that very same year, on this small island, Hiro and his companions, they found a pamphlet that said the war had ended. But they dismissed it as American propaganda and they refused to believe the truth. Over the coming days, weeks, months, and years, Leaflet after leaflet was dropped on this island. Newspapers were sent in. They actually brought in letters from family and friends, and they even spoke out over loudspeakers, all trying to convince these gentlemen that the war had ended. But always, something was suspicious, and so they never believed the truth. In 1974, there was a college dropout who decided that he was going to travel to the Philippines, and he actually sought out and he found Lieutenant Hiro Onoda. And he had a conversation with him in which he tried to convince him that the war was over. And Hiro actually said to him, the only way that I will surrender is if my commanding officer comes and he relieves me of duty. So this traveler, he went back to Japan. He actually found Hiro's commanding officer. He brought him back to the jungle and he sat these men down so they could have a conversation. And finally, on March 11th, 1974, These three men emerged from the jungle together. This is a picture of Hiro Onoda coming out with his traveler and his commanding officer 29 years, listen to me, after World War II had ended. 29 years after World War II had ended. Last week, Pastor Todd, he challenged us and he asked us this question. He said, what if We took every thought captive instead of being held captive by every thought. When he asked that question, all I could think about was Hiro Onoda. Because while there are many things about this story to admire, it doesn't change the fact that the war going on in his mind cost him 30 years of life, cost him 30 years of freedom. And my fear is, that if we don't figure out what's going on up here, if we don't learn how to win the war in our minds, and it's gonna cost some of us the same thing. It could cost us decades of life and freedom. But I wanna tell you that there's hope today. I wanna tell you that there is a way to understand what's going on. There is a way to win the war in your mind. That passage of scripture that Pastor Todd referenced in that challenge last week, it comes out of 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And in it, 
Paul is trying to encourage the church in Corinth. He's trying to instruct them on how to engage with the spiritual battle that rages all around them. And here's what he writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse three. It says this, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with, they're not the weapons of the world, but on the contrary, they have divine power. These weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds. And so we demolish every argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and we make it obedient or subject to Christ. There are so many powerful truths in this one passage of scripture. But, but here's a few things that it tells me. Number one, everyone's engaged in a battle. None of us are immune from this struggle. Everyone is engaged in a battle. And that's important that we all recognize that and we acknowledge it. But we also learn that as Christians, we fight those battles differently. We fight differently than the world does, according to the Apostle Paul. Why? why? Why do we fight differently? Because we actually have divine weapons at our disposal. So although we may experience some of the same struggles as the world, the Lord has actually given us different tools to fight with, divine tools. And these divine tools are powerful. They have the power to demolish strongholds. And so we need to understand everybody's engaged in a battle. As Christians, we fight differently because the Lord has given us divine weapons. And then I also see this, that many spiritual battles begin in the mind. Many spiritual battles begin in the mind. I thought Pastor Todd last week did such a great job of helping us all understand that this is a conversation that we need. No matter where you might be in life, no matter where you might be with your mental health, the reality is we all need to have this conversation because none of us are immune from these struggles. Today, I wanna look at a passage of scripture that I think will help us understand how to win the war in our minds. But to be honest with you, I'm really nervous about preaching from it because my fear is that we won't hear it. I think sometimes we come to certain stories in scripture that are seemingly so familiar that we tend to tune them out. I think sometimes we come to stories in scripture and they're just so familiar that we really completely miss the point. I think the story of David and Goliath is one, if we're honest, that can be like that for us. Because we've all heard the story so many times, it can seem so familiar. And, and most of us, if we're honest, we kind of dismiss it as a kid's story, right? Which is actually kind of funny because it's really quite violent. <laughs> I'm not sure it should be in kids' Bibles, but whatever. <laughs> I wanna talk to you for just a few minutes today about the story of David and Goliath because I think there are a few things that we can learn from this passage of scripture about winning the war in our minds. First, Let's understand the person, okay? And then, and then we can look at the passage together. So if you've been around church for any length of time, you know David's name, right? You, you've probably heard of this man before because despite his mistakes and despite his shortcomings in life, scripture says that he was a man after God's very own heart, right? If you open the pages of scripture and you read in the Old Testament, you will see David there quite a bit. He's a key figure in the Old Testament. He eventually becomes one of Israel's greatest and most beloved kings. Actually, Jesus, maybe you know, is from the lineage of King David. He was the youngest 
of eight sons. His father, Jesse, had eight sons, and David was the youngest. And one day, as we read in scripture, there was a prophet of God named Samuel who came to the house of Jesse, and he was looking to anoint the next king over all of Israel. And so he was traveling around, and he was visiting people, and he was looking for the next king to anoint. And so he comes to the house of Jesse, and he says, hey, Jesse, line up all of your sons. And so Jesse just, just that. He, he gets them all out, lines them up from tallest to shortest, from oldest to youngest, from you know bravest to weakest, all of that. He puts them in a row. And, and the prophet of God, Samuel, literally goes right down the line, one after the other. No, not you. Not you. I like the biceps though, but not you, right? Keeps going down the line. And he dismisses all of these young men saying they, they are not God's anointed. And he actually looks at Jesse and he says, don't, don't you have any more sons? And, and, and it's almost like he forgot about him. He's like, like, you ever forget to pick up your kids at school? I'm sure you've never made that mistake, right? But he's like, uh, yeah, I do. There's one more. David, he's tending the sheep. Trust me, he's not your guy. <laughs> and he literally leaves him out of the lineup. And Samuel's like, well, you know what? Let's just go ahead and take a chance. Why don't you get him too? And so Jesse brings his son David in front of Samuel, the prophet of God, and he looks at him and he decides, he says, this is the Lord's anointed. And so he actually anoints him to be the next king over Israel. And he makes this beautiful declaration. He says, while man looks at the outward appearance, the Lord looks at the heart. So there was something in David Something about his heart that set him apart from everyone else in this lineup, right? And the prophet of God, Samuel, he saw it. David was different. And right after this moment, David goes back to the field and returns to tending his sheep. It would be a long time between the moment he was anointed to become king and he was actually appointed to become the king over Israel. David's life as, as we're gonna read about today, it's full of victories. It's full of incredible moments, heroic moments. But his life was not without struggle. His life was actually pretty difficult. In fact, there are some people who would suggest that David actually struggled with deep depression. And if you read the book of Psalms, which I would highly encourage you to do, it's pretty great, you'll actually see some things that David writes there that seemed to indicate his struggle with deep depression. Here, here's what he actually says. He describes his own heart this way as broken and depressed. He, he says this, he says, I'm feeble, I'm depressed. I have groaned by reason of the suffering of my heart. Uh, he, he writes this in the Psalms. I'm worn out from sobbing. All night I flood my bed with weeping drenching it in my tears. One translation says that he, he swims in them. He seems to struggle with a sense of worthlessness, writing things like this, I, I am a worm, I'm not a man. I'm despised by the people, I'm scorned by everyone. And, and as you read his writing, sometimes you even see that he talks about a terrible fear of death that follows him. Now, there are plenty of other Psalms I could read to you today, ones that are full of hope and encouragement and strength, but we can't ignore these ones, that there were moments in the life of this man of God where he struggled seriously. 
And, and the reason that I say all of that to you today is simply to point out this, that there are great men and women of God throughout all of history who have had their fair share of mental health struggles. And you are not alone. I am not alone. And so we're gonna look at this story today of David's victory, but I need you to know that this is a man who was not immune from hardship. So here's the setup for the story that we're gonna read today. There are two rival nations that have come together at this moment in history for an epic battle, right? The Israelites and the Philistines. And they come together in a place called the Valley of Elah. Now, the Israelites, you probably remember, they are God's chosen people. And God has given to the, these people a promised land. He's given them a place to call their own. And he has told them that they would be able to drive out all of the inhabitants of this land because it was theirs. So they had a promise to cling to. Well, the problem is this. The Philistines still live in their neighborhood, right? So they, they decide that they need to do something about it. However, the Philistines, they're big and they're powerful. The, the Philistines have all of the military might. They have all of the technology. In fact, the Philistines were the first nation to ever make weapons out of bronze and iron. So they have the latest gear. These two nations are poised for battle on top of two hills with the valley below them. Well, every day, the largest Philistine warrior, he would step out from among the ranks. Goliath, a man about seven, eight, nine feet tall. Scripture calls him a giant. And what he would do is he would challenge the nation of Israel. Send out one man, send out a champion to fight me. That champion, he'll fight on behalf of all of the people. And the stakes were incredibly high. What he said was that if your champion can conquer me, then you will enslave our people and you will all go free. But any man who fights me and loses, well, it will cost you all of your freedom. And for the second time in their history, the Israelites would be enslaved to another nation. For 40 days, the giant comes out into the middle of the valley and he taunts them. For 40 days, he makes this challenge. He comes out and he yells this, and, and no one will go. No one is up for the task. No one is up for the challenge. The stakes are too high and the battle is too tough. Until we meet David. <laughs> David has a different perspective than everybody else on the battlefield. After some convincing, right, they, they finally send David out into this field as their unlikely champion, a, a shepherd boy from the backside of nowhere, never been on a battlefield in his life. And on this day, he now has to fight not only for his own freedom, but for the freedom of an entire nation. We're going to pick up this story in 2 Samuel excuse me, 1 Samuel chapter 17. Here's what it says. Let's read the word of God together. Then he took his staff in his hand and David, he chose five smooth stones from the stream. He put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag and with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him, he kept coming closer to David. And when he finally saw him, he looked David over and he saw this is little more than a boy saw that he was glowing with health and he was handsome. And the Bible says he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with a stick? 
and the Philistine cursed David by his gods. He said this, come here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and to the wild animals, right? So Goliath steps onto this battlefield. He sees David who's coming against him and he's like, who is this kid? This is a joke. You coming at me with a stick? No, 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 I'm gonna feed you to the birds, right? Like these are pretty serious words from Goliath. David said to the Philistine this, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the wild. This day, he says, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. I'll strike you down. I'll cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses. I think David's getting brave now, right? <laughs> the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole earth will know that there's a God in Israel, right? Because of the victory he's going to experience on this field. He believes that the whole world is gonna know there's one true God in Israel. But he continues, the story continues. All those who are gathered here will know it's not by sword, it's not by spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's. And he will give all of you into our hands. And so here it is. The Philistine moved closer to attack him. David ran toward the battle line to meet him and reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and he struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone without a sword in his hand. He struck down the Philistine and he killed him and thereby ensuring freedom for an entire nation of people. This is an incredible victory that we read about in scripture, an incredible moment where the Lord showed up on behalf of his people and he gave victory to David, but really he gave it to the, God's people. He gave it to the nation. And I actually think that in this passage of scripture, there's a lot that we could learn. There's a lot that we could talk about. But I believe within these words are some principles some truths that will actually help us understand how to win the war in our minds. Because although I don't think it's the primary purpose of this passage, for just a few moments today, here's what I wanna do. Let's allow Goliath to represent some of the things that you might be up against today. Let's allow Goliath for just a moment to represent some of the things that threaten your freedom, that shake your faith, some of the things that might leave you paralyzed. Let's allow this giant to represent our giants. Let's allow giant to represent the, the giants of crippling fear or overwhelming anxiety or constant worry. Let's allow Goliath to represent the things that we struggle with. Maybe today it's pervasive thoughts of suicide for you. I don't know how significant the struggle is, but I want you to understand that this scripture speaks to the struggle. Whatever might be knocking at your door today, whatever it is that you sense you are up against, what do we see in this story? Well, the first thing we see is this. The battle belongs to the Lord. Whatever it is that you might be going up against today, and I want you to hear me from the very onset, whatever it is, is significant. I'm not dismissing any of it, but we have to remind ourselves first and foremost that whatever we are facing today, the battle belongs to the Lord. And I wanna point out to you for just a minute the primary difference between the way that David fights and the way that Goliath fights. 
Because there's a big difference between the way that these two men march onto the battlefield that day, right? They approach this battle very differently. Goliath is confident in himself, perhaps overly confident in his own strength, in his own ability, in his own uh, possibility of achieving victory, right? He, He looks at himself, he looks at his own strength and he sees his own power. And then he looks at his enemy. He looks at the person that he has to fight. And let's not forget, for both of these men, the freedom of their nation is at stake. Both of these men are fighting a significant battle. But Goliath, he looks at himself, he's going, I'm big, I'm strong, you're little, you're weak. And Goliath says, I can do this. And he marches out onto the battlefield in his own strength, right? He gets too close to his enemy. He puts himself in a vulnerable vulnerable position. And sure enough, it costs him everything. I think that's how the world tells us to handle our problems and our struggles. You're strong enough, you're big enough. Visualize success, you got this, you can do it. What's the problem with that? It, it will cost us everything. See, Goliath steps onto this battlefield and he's, he's overly confident in himself, right? Eliminate fear, don't think about failing. How did that work out for Goliath? He never even considered the possibility that he might lose this battle. And because he marched out in his own strength, he does. Goes out with his shields down, gets too close to David, underestimates his enemy, and it costs him everything. David, however, knows that this victory won't be from his own power, won't be from his own might, won't be from his own strength, but he knows that this victory is only possible because of the Lord, right? He has a confidence, not in himself, but in the God whom he serves, in the God whom he fights for. David's perspective is is different and it's better because he doesn't walk out in his own strength, but rather he marches into this battle understanding that there is a supernatural strength that he does not possess in and of himself, but that can be given to him by the hand of God for any battle that he might be facing. And I just want to tell you the same is true of you and I today. There is a supernatural strength that God can give you no matter what struggle you might be facing, no matter what you might be up against today. You can't do it in your own strength. You can't do it in your own power. You can't do it in your own might, but the Lord can give you what you need. One of the things that we do here at Christ Fellowship that I absolutely love is our Celebrate Recovery program. And many of you across all of our campuses are a part of that. It's an incredible ministry and it's in part based on the 12 steps, right? How to overcome addiction. And I think that the first three steps of Celebrate Recovery illustrate this this principle perfectly. I want you to listen to these steps. Number one, we admitted that we were powerless over our addictions and compulsive behaviors that our lives had become unmanageable, right? So there is first and foremost this recognition, I can't do it in my own strength. It's unmanageable. Step two, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. There's this recognition that the strength does not come from within, but actually comes from somewhere else entirely. It comes from a supernatural source. And step three, we made a decision to turn our lives and our wills over to the care of God. We see so many people who step out of their addiction and into freedom. 
We, we see so many people who no longer are losing decades of their, their life and their freedom to the disease of addiction, but rather they're able to experience a hope because they understand the battle, listen to me, belongs to the Lord. And so whatever it is that you're struggling with today, whatever giant you might be up against, can I just encourage you? It's time to turn it over to God, to understand that it's not our own might or strength or power, but only by his grace that we can win this victory. So that's the first thing we see in this story, right? The battle belongs to the Lord. The second one would be this. I want you to hear me. The battle is not just spiritual. Listen very carefully. The battle is not just spiritual. It is spiritual, whether it's a mental health struggle that you're thinking about today or some other kind of giant that you might be facing. I need to tell you that the battle is not just spiritual. As we study the scripture, we actually see David, he makes this incredible spiritual declaration, right? In front of all the people, as he prepares to fight for their freedom, he says, Goliath, you come against me with sword and shield, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, right? It's this beautiful spiritual declaration. I can almost hear like the crowd cheering as he says it, right? Like, yes, that's it, David, you got him, you know? The church people are going, amen, say it again, and, right? Like, David, they, the people would have been with him, this incredible spiritual declaration. It's like a whole like William Wallace, brave heart, you know, blue paint on your face kind of moment. This is awesome. But here's what you need to understand. No one thought David was any less spiritual because he brought his slingshot. Right? He's going, you come against me with sword and shield, but I come against you in the name of the Lord, but listen to me. Nobody questioned his faith because he picked up five smooth stones. Nobody thought that God's victory on that battlefield was any less significant because David used physical weapons. It's not just spiritual. The battle going on for our minds, the war going on in our minds, it's physical and it's spiritual. Sometimes in the church, we forget this. Because we actually think like if people struggle with serious mental health issues or problems like that, we go, just, just pray it away. You just pray it away. Read more, pray more, do more. Battle belongs to the Lord. And it does. The battle does belong to the Lord. And we'll never achieve victory until we understand that. However, it's not just spiritual. And, and so I, I want you to hear today. <laughs> if you're facing one of these giants, the giant of crippling fear, overwhelming anxiety, giant of deep depression, or just even stress, <laughs> you need to understand the battle is not just spiritual. We cannot hesitate, listen to me, people of God, to pick up the tools that God has given us. We cannot hesitate to utilize some of the physical weapons that God has given us in this battle. So yes, listen to me, please do not march into this battle. Do not face this giant without immersing yourself in the word of God, because you won't be able to do it. Do not face the giant that you're up against without prayer and fasting, understanding first that it is a spiritual battle and that battle belongs to the Lord. But also listen to me, if you're up against one of these giants, you cannot hesitate to pick up the tools of therapy, or counseling, or medication, yeah. 
Those things are not at odds with our faith. Those are the physical tools given to us by a good God that we might be able to march into the battle that we face with every weapon that God has given us. And I think sometimes in the church, we dismiss those things. And, and we'll even, if we're honest, we'll judge people who utilize them. Maybe their faith isn't strong. Maybe they're just a little too weak. I want you to understand that you cannot win this battle until you arm yourself with both physical and spiritual tools. David understood this. And so yes, whatever you're facing might come against you with sword and spear, but you come against it in the name of the Lord God Almighty. But don't forget your slingshot. Don't, don't forget to pick up the stones. There's nothing wrong with that. And when we carry these physical tools and the spiritual ones, I believe that we will see victory over these giants like we never have before in our lives. Here, here's another thing I see in this story. There will be other battles. Yeah. <laughs> aren't, aren't you glad you came to church today? Isn't that so encouraging? You know, like, but, but listen to me, there will be other battles. And it's okay, it's, it's part of life. The giant that you're facing today, fast forward the clock, it's not gonna be the giant you're facing five years from now, three years from now. There will be other battles. In fact, one of the ways that David convinces the king that he's ready is he says, I've already fought the lion, I've already fought the bear, and so this giant is nothing compared to what I've already been through, right? He recognizes that the battles that the Lord has brought him through have prepared him for this moment. I just need to tell you that there will be other battles. Now, there's been some debate as to why it is that David picked up five stones on that day, right? Like, like did he just think he was gonna miss, you know? Was that like a backup plan? David, where's your faith? Come on, you know? Like, yeah, it would have been maybe a little bit cooler of a story if he just picked up one, right? Like, ah, the Lord's with me, I'm not gonna miss, and he just picks up one stone. So, yeah, maybe David, didn't know, and he wanted to be sure that if he missed the first time, he, he still had more ammo. Others have suggested, based on 2 Samuel chapter 21, that maybe it's because Goliath had four brothers. Maybe it's because David knew this wasn't the only giant he'd have to face. Yes. Yes. Maybe David marches out on that battlefield that day with this perspective, this declaration that whatever comes my way, I'm going to be prepared for it. I'm going to pick up the tools and the weapons that I need knowing that it's not just the giant right in front of me, but perhaps there's some more that are coming behind it. And I don't know if that's true, but it certainly makes a whole lot of sense to me that David would prepare himself not just for the battle that he was facing in the moment, but he would have courage enough and faith enough to believe that even if something else came at him, he still had what he needed to overcome the challenge before him. And so what I wanna encourage you to do today is not just think about the struggle that you're in, but there are decisions that you can make today that will prepare you for the future as well. And some of you sit in church during this series and you think like, this isn't me, I don't struggle with these things. Okay, get ready. Get ready. Maybe you've just experienced a victory. Get ready. Because the victories, they don't last forever. There are battles that will come our way and we need to be prepared. And the good news is that God has given us everything we need if we're willing to just pick up the tools and prepare ourselves for the battles that we are sure to face. I wanna encourage you to do the work of preparation now. 
Now, I wanna give you just a couple of practical steps that you can take this week to put some of these things into practice and actually begin to overcome the giants that you might be facing in this moment, okay? Here's the first one. Step one, share your struggle with someone. Share your struggle with someone. There is a lie that has crept into the depths of the church, not this one, but the church, that would say you have to struggle in secret. Can I just alleviate that pressure today? You don't have to struggle in secret. In fact, one of the keys to victory is letting people in on the struggle that you might be facing. And so maybe there's something you've never told anybody about. Maybe there's been some things going on in your heart and in your mind that you just haven't been willing to, to open up about yet. I gotta tell you, today needs to be the day. This week needs to be the week that you decide to share your struggle with someone. And if you've never done that before, it's not going to be easy. That in and of itself could seem overwhelming. I'm gonna be real honest with you. In this last season of life, there have been some moments where I I was physically feeling in my body overwhelming anxiety. There's been at least two moments that I could remember in this last season of life where, where I was driving down the road and I was so overcome with what I was experiencing that I actually had to pull over because I, I was fearful that I was gonna pass out or, or lose, I don't know, but my body was reacting and I, I was experiencing anxiety, I was having a panic attack. And, and you might think that's like not manly or like not your deal or whatever, but the first thing that I had to do was like, I gotta tell someone. I have to tell someone about what I'm thinking and sensing and feeling because if I really want to overcome this struggle, the first thing I need to do is share it with someone. That may seem like a giant in and of itself, but take the step today, this week. God does not want you to struggle in secret. Share your struggle with someone today. So that's the first step that we need to take together this week. The second one is this. Start each day by declaring scripture. Start each and every day by declaring scripture over your life, over your thoughts, over your struggles. Start each and every day by declaring scripture. Well, pastor, it's really easier for me to like pray and read the Bible at night. No, (laughs) the world has got at you for 12 hours by the time you get to that. Like start every day by declaring scripture, not just reading scripture, praying scripture, declaring scripture, believing scripture. We, we have to ground ourselves in God's word because if we don't do that, everything else will seem more difficult. All the other tools will be a lot heavier if we don't start there. There's an incredible resource um, by Rick and Kay Warren. They're the pastors of Saddleback Church. And in 2013, their youngest son, Matthew, he He took his own life and he lost a long battle with mental health struggles and mental illness. And they have a a ministry now called Hope for Mental Health. And they have a a resource that I found incredibly helpful. It's called the Hope Circle. It looks like this. And everything on the Hope Circle, it, it starts with the statements that lead us to a place of despair. It starts with the statements that lead us to a place of hopelessness. And maybe you don't say it exactly like this, but but we've all had thoughts of like, I, I, don't, I don't hate myself, I don't love myself, I, I don't matter, I don't fit in, I, w- I wanna give up, I feel useless. We've all had moments in life where those thoughts begin to take us and hold us captive. 
And then just very simply, there are some declarations that you need to make. I I belong, I am loved, I have purpose, I have a choice, I am needed. And there are scriptures there that you can begin each and every day with. Make the declaration of scripture. Now this is just one simple resource. There are thousands. You don't have to use this one, just start somewhere. That's why our team has gone through great lengths to prepare all of these resources for you. If you just text the word MIND to 441441, you're gonna see this resource and a whole lot of others that will help you share your struggle with someone. Resources that will help you start each day by declaring scripture. And I believe that if we take those steps, if we recognize the battle belongs to the Lord, it's not just a spiritual battle, and there are other battles that will come, I believe it's gonna go a long way and helping us win the war in our minds. I wanna invite you at all of our campuses, if you would just close your eyes and bow your heads with me for a moment as we respond to the word of God. And I wanna pray for people in this room today who might need hope and healing. And so if you would just be honest enough today across all of our campuses right now to just say, you know what, I'm up against it, I'm struggling, I need hope, I need the Lord to move on my behalf. If you're facing a struggle right now, a giant right now, would you just raise your hand wherever you are today just because I wanna pray for you. God, I pray for each and every one of my brothers and sisters. We're all struggling, Lord Jesus, and we need you to move on our behalves. And so God, I pray against the giants that we're facing. I pray against the giants of overwhelming fear. I pray against the giant of anxiety. I pray against the giant of depression or suicidal thoughts, all of the different struggles that we might be facing across these rooms today. We trust, Lord, that the battle belongs to you and you are fighting on our behalf. And so afresh and anew today, we give that struggle to you and we ask you, God, to help us pick up the tools that we need to fight the battles. Amen. You can open your eyes for just a moment. And I just need to say this, as we come to the end of our message today, listen to me, the battle that you are facing is impossible without a personal relationship with Jesus. It's the very first step that you need to take. You need to place your faith in Jesus because when you do that, there is a supernatural power that comes inside of you that will help you live the life that you have been created for. And so if you're here today and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, you don't have to leave today without making that decision. It's as simple as this. We're gonna say it together across all of our locations. But if this is your day, if you're praying this prayer, I want you to say it louder than everybody else. Just say this, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Help me, Lord, to be the person you've called me to be. I give you my sin. I receive the eternal life that only you can offer. And for the rest of my days, as best as I know how, I will live to honor you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Come on, can we thank the Lord for all of those who are placing their faith? Thank you again for spending time with us today. If you're looking to take a step in discovering the more that God has in store for you, just text the word podcast to the number 441-441 and select the option that applies to you. And if you enjoyed this message, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. A special thanks to those of you who generously give to all that God is calling us to do together. It's because of you that everything that we do is possible. We'll see you right back here for next week's message.